You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. As I've traveled life's road, one thing is clear. I can't do this on my own. I need help. I've tried to find the answers on my own and been left with more questions. I've pursued wealth and fun and success, but they've all left me unsatisfied. The truth is, I've done so many things I'm not proud of. Sometimes I'm haunted by regret. I wish I could believe that the road ahead can be better than the road I've traveled. What lies beyond the bend? Can God take these faults and failures and turn them into something good? God, can you take my past, my failure, and my pain and breathe something good out of it? That's a relevant question, isn't it? If we all have stuff in our past as it relates to pain, failure, uh, challenges, and I think a question we want to know is, God, not only are you good, but can you bring good out of this place in my life? Can you redeem in my life? Can you turn this situation around? Can you, can you take this situation and somehow bring something out of it that would be of value in my life? And here's the answer this morning. The answer is yes, a thousand times yes, right? Because it's the wonder of God's grace. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because that's what Ruth's story is all about. Now, I think that's why this, this little book tucked away in the Old Testament is so, so rich and true for us today. The out of Ruth's story, I believe we can find hope for our own story. Now, out of Naomi and Ruth's pain from their own choosing and the real stuff of life, God's going to bring good out of that. We're going to see that as we read on in the story this morning. And I believe that he can and will do the same for you. Listen, not because you're good and not because you're deserving, but because God is gracious and he's good. And that's the wonder of his grace. Because God is full of grace and full of mercy. His plan consistently, continually is this, to redeem and restore in your life. Now, we have to be willing to embrace that of God's grace. We have to be willing to live in that of his grace. But God's overall plan, and we see this throughout the Bible. If you want to know what this book is, this is a book about redemption and restoration. From Genesis to Revelation. It's that of God pursuing humanity, get this, that he might show kindness, that he might show mercy, that he might reveal his grace to us. And that's what we see in the, in the book of Ruth. As a matter of fact, it's the dominant theme of the book, the picture of God's grace. And we're going to get to that in just a moment, but let me take a quick left-hand turn here this morning and talk with you about what's going to happen on Tuesday. Tuesday is what? Election Day. Now, I encourage you, inform yourself, pray. If you've not already voted, cast a vote. But after Tuesday's over, here's what happens after election. This always happens after an election. Someone wins and someone loses. Right? Someone wins and someone loses. Now, it's been interesting. This whole process has been very, uh, very challenging, even very divisive. 
not only at the body of Christ at large, but even in Grace Covenant. I've had people say to me, people in Grace Covenant, like they've asked me this question, Pastor, how can someone call themselves a Christian and vote for Donald Trump? On the other side, I've also heard people say, how in the world can someone call themselves a Christian and vote for Joe Biden? And all of that happened right here in our church family. The differing of perspectives and values and um, conclusions. So after Tuesday, someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. That means some are going to be like elated and some are going to be saying, oh my goodness. Because again, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. In the midst of that, can I encourage you with just a couple things really quick, and then we're going to get back to Ruth. In the midst of the election, friend, never forget this, that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. There's a political party called the Republicans, there's a political party called the Democrats. In the midst of all this, God is sovereign. And throughout history, we see it recorded in the Bible, he raises up men and women uh, in leadership and places of authority as to his plan. And oftentimes, we don't fully understand his plan. But however this turns out, remember, don't forget that God is sovereign, he's in control. The second thing I would encourage you to is that the scripture says that we would be known not by how we vote, but by how we love. Not by how we vote, not by which political party you align yourself with, but but how we love one another. And so following Tuesday, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for you to live out love. One way or the other, just to say, I, I, I choose to respect, I choose to honor, I choose to live out love. The third thing I would encourage you to, the scripture also directs us to this, to pray for those who are in authority over us. Whether it's the party you wanted to win or not, the scripture says to pray for those who are positioned in authority over us. So I encourage you to do that. And that we could... Um, that we could live out the very grace we're going to talk about this morning on Wednesday morning and Thursday morning following uh, this election that's before us. Well, back to the story of Ruth, where we left off last week. Naomi and Ruth, as we ended chapter one, were in a hard place. Life had not been fair. They're in the middle of loss and pain, and they're thinking, they're thinking like, this whole thing's God's fault. What's interesting is they couldn't see that that God was at work in the midst of their pain because all of it was kind of behind the scenes. It was out of their pain that God was about to do something amazing that would literally, hear me friends, that would literally blow their minds. Their season of difficulty was about to be flipped to a season of grace. And I believe God can and will do the same for you. Listen, I can't tell you how long your season of pain or difficulty or adversity might be. But what I can tell you is God is present in that season. He is with you and he is for you. And in that place of difficulty, he will bring grace to sustain you. And he will bring restoration and redemption. Why? Because God is always about restoration and redemption. Somehow, someway, God is working for your good. But again, as we come to the end of chapter one, we have Ruth and Naomi returning to Bethlehem, returning back to the homeland, if you will. They had no money, they had no provision, and they, and they really had no plan. Like, like how are we going to take care of ourselves? They had, they had absolutely no idea. 
And they found themselves in a situation that they could not resolve on their own. And what they needed was this. They needed someone to step into their situation. They needed someone to bring rescue. They needed someone to bring redemption. If you think about it, their story is our own story. Matter of fact, I think the story of Ruth is a microcosm of the problem of humanity. And the story of humanity is this. We were in trouble. You and I. Humanity as we were in trouble due to our sin. We were separated from God and we were without hope. We could not rescue ourselves. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't get ourselves out of the predicament that we were in. What did we need? We needed a redeemer. We needed someone to step in on our behalf. We needed someone to step into our crisis and bring rescue. And just as Naomi and Ruth didn't have the ability to change their situation, their position today is the same. Just as they needed outside help, so we needed outside help. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says that before Christ, we were without hope. In other words, we were without solution. We were without an answer to our predicament. And so if you look to the story of Ruth, the story of Ruth is a real story with real people facing real problems, but it's also this beautiful picture and a foreshadowing of a Redeemer who was to come, being Jesus Christ. The hidden figure stands in the shadow of this little book. If you look closely, this is what you'll discover. You'll discover Jesus on every page. Interesting, this is happening in the very town that Jesus, the Son of God, would be born. Back in Bethlehem. So in this story, we see Jesus. And in the story, and we're, we're going to get to this this morning, but the hero of the story, the hero of the story in Ruth's story was a man by the name of Boaz, a wealthy landowner, a wealthy businessman who steps in and does for Ruth what she couldn't do for herself. And Boaz, in this story, Boaz for us today is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what he does for Ruth is what Jesus Christ has willingly done for us. So as we study the story of, of Boaz and Ruth, we're going to see this morning the Lord Jesus in a fresh light. Because just as Boaz was willing to step in and, and um, intervene in Naomi and Ruth's situation, so Christ stepped into our situation. So let's get back to the story, because what we're going to find in the story is Ruth and Naomi are getting ready to experience more and better than they could have ever imagined. And it's a story that's the picture of God's grace. Now, let me tell you what happens for us before we read the text this morning. Let me tell you what happens to us. As for some of us, we have lived so long in grace that we've lost sight of the awe and the wonder of grace. The magnitude of God's grace. Interesting, I was just having a conversation earlier with someone in the storm we had this past week. A tree came down over the power lines. They were without power, not for a couple hours, but a couple days. And their story to me this morning was this. We had no idea how blessed we were to be able to go and flip a light switch and the light comes on. We had no idea how blessed we were to have electricity that's running a refrigerator or the ability to take a hot shower. Come on. All of those things we take for granted, right? And here's the danger, friend. So it can be true in your life. Is that you become so accustomed to the grace of God that you lose sight of the wonder of God's grace. That's why I love this 
story of Ruth that brings us back to the reality of our own crisis and the wonder of God's redeeming grace for our own lives. So as we look to Ruth chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, Scripture says, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz, so a man, a godly man of character. Verse 2 says, And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Let me go out to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. Notice, as it turned out, or kind of like circumstantial, or like happenstance, as it turned out, She found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Pretty significant. So here's Naomi and Ruth, without even the basics of food, talking about desperate, talking about destitute. Like They had nothing. And so Ruth, being the younger, says to her mother-in-law, say, I'm going to go out and, and, and do a little gleaning. So what's the concept of gleaning? Gleaning was this. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 and 10, talks about the principle of gleaning. It was the means in which orphans and widows, those who were destitute and poor, would be taken care of. And that they, would, they were allowed to go out into the fields after the harvester has gone through and pick up uh, any leftover wheat. Any leftover grain, and it's called gleaning. So Ruth goes out to glean. Interesting, the scripture says she happens, she happens to be in the field of, of Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And in the midst of, of this, Boaz comes out. Chapter 2, chapter 3 tells the story. I'm not going to read the whole story for the sake of time. But the scripture tells us that, that Boaz comes out, and he's interacting with his laborers, and he actually sees Ruth, who's gleaning in his field. And he asks the laborers, like, who is this young woman? And they tell her the story about Ruth, about how she's a Moabitess, how she came back with Naomi. And uh, interesting that Boaz is uh, somewhat captivated by this Moabite widow, uh, and he does something pretty uh, amazing as he says to his laborers, hey, I want you to take care of her. I want you to make sure that she has water to drink and says, as she's out here picking up, imagine the process of gleaning, picking up a kernel of wheat at a time, a kernel of corn at a time. He says, hey, just drop a little extra, leave a little pile here and there if you will, to leave a little pile for her. Uh, and so in this story, we see that, that uh, Boaz is in this process of pursuing this woman, interesting, that had nothing to bring to the table. Wealthy businessman, entrepreneur, landowner, sees this woman who has nothing to bring to the table, and he begins to set out a plan that he might intervene in the crisis of our life. And he did this not because he had to, but because he wanted to. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to show grace to her. As we come to the end of the story, and I'm going to jump there, Ruth chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, Boaz actually ends up taking Ruth as his wife, and her, her situation 
is instantly transformed. Her life is completely turned upside down, inside out, not for the bad, but for the good. Ruth chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 reads like this. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people today, your witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Malon. I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Malon's widow as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records today. Today you are witnesses of this. So, so, both, uh, so Boaz takes Ruth in as his wife, and her, and her situation, as I said earlier, is instantly transformed. Not only is it transformed, but she became, she conceived, she gives birth to a son who's named Obed, who actually becomes the grandfather of the greatest king of Israel, King David, and this Moabite widow becomes a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Amazing! Like only, only God could like bring all of this together to make this happen. So for Naomi and Ruth, they went from being destitute to having all their needs met. They went from, from having no hope to having great hope. They went from thinking God was against them to discovering that God was actually working for their good. And as we look to this amazing story, what we discover is that Ruth's story is a picture of the grace of God and his intervention to bring redemption, help, redemption, Help and hope in a situation where there was no hope. Boaz does for Ruth what she couldn't do for herself. Does that sound familiar? Amazing. This is a picture of what Christ has done for us. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those uh, children's coloring books that are just blank. The pages are blank. Like there's no, there's no image, there's no color. But yet there's instructions for a child to take a paintbrush with water and begin to brush across the page. And there's, I, I don't know how this happened. It's like magic. But somehow the water activates something and all of a sudden the images come out on the page. The color comes out on, any of you ever seen that? Amazing. But there's a story happening, but you can't see it until it's revealed, until it's brought to light. That's kind of what's happening here in the book of Ruth. As the Holy Spirit takes the brush and paints over this story, all of a sudden we see that there's a story behind the story. And the story of redemption that's happening for Ruth, behind that story is really the story of our own redemption. Behind Ruth's story of grace is really the story of God's grace for our lives. Now to grasp the significance of this story, you need to know some, you need to know a little bit about this term kinsman redeemer. What's a kinsman redeemer? Because Boaz became a kinsman redeemer for Ruth. Well, a kinsman redeemer would be the individual who would step into a situation where there was death and there was no there was no family line to be carried out. So in this story, Elimelech died Malon and Kilion died. There was no one to carry on the family name. And so someone could step in and actually redeem for the family. And in that, not only would they inherit the property, but they would take the wife, the widow of the one who has passed, so that they might save their lineage and their legacy. 
what they were redeeming. And so that's the whole concept of a kinsman redeemer. So Boaz steps in by choice. Didn't have to. There's no arm twisting going on here. By choice, he chose to step up and step in to this hopeless situation and, so to speak, turn it around. There's this 180 that happens in this story. As a result of Boaz's action, generosity, and kindness, Ruth's life and her future was transformed. But Ruth's story is so much more than just her story. Ruth's story is our story. You've got to see that this morning. Her story is your story. In the this, this story, Ruth is a picture of humanity in need of redemption. And Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ who paid the price to redeem us, to bring us into his family. And this is this wonderful, wonderful picture of grace. So as we look deeper in this story, I just want to spend a little time this morning unveiling this picture of grace. And how God's grace has so um, encountered us has so transformed us. First we see, as we look at this picture of grace, we see there's grace that directs us to a solution. Have you ever been in a predicament that you had no answer to? Ever been in a situation like you just didn't know how to figure it out? Like you didn't have sufficient resource to solve the problem, whatever it might be? I think we've all been there. And if you've not been there, you'll probably be there at some point. What do we need? We need grace that directs us to a solution. You know, because Ruth was a Moabite, she found herself outside of relationship with God. That's strike number two. Strike, strike number one. Strike number two is she was a widow who's now trying to take care of her mother-in-law. And they're so poor, like they have nothing, and she has to go out and she's trying to glean in these fields, pick up a few kernels of grain that they might, that they might have something And it's interesting the way the scripture reads. She just happens to find herself in the fields of Boaz. Now there was probably, I don't know this, but there was probably hundreds of fields of grain surrounding the town of Bethlehem. Because everyone had to grow what, you know, that's how they survive. We're going to grow what we eat. It was an agrarian culture, probably hundreds of fields. And out of all these hundreds of fields, guess where Ruth just happens to show up? It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't circumstance. It was God's grace at work directing her to a solution. To a solution for her hopeless situation. And God was behind the scenes working and she didn't even realize it. Well, it was his grace. And I would say the same would be true for us. And not only did God chose, not only did God choose to bring his grace to us, but he chose to bring us to a place of salvation. Listen, you didn't first choose God. God first chose you. He sought you out. He pursued you. He pursued you, get this friend, that he might bring solution for your life because you were without hope. You were in a predicament. What did you need? You needed rescue. You needed salvation. You needed someone to intervene in your life on your behalf. Because there's this wonderful picture of grace. Oftentimes working behind the scenes to bring a solution. For our lives. 
And just as Ruth experienced that grace that brought her to solution, so you and I have experienced that grace, the grace of God that pursues us. Think about it, the grace of God that chases after you. That he might show kindness to you. In Ruth's story, there's, there's also grace that provides for our needs. As we read in the story, Ruth goes out in the fields to find some food for Naomi and herself in this process of, of gleaning. She's hoping that she'll get enough for dinner. Like to make a loaf of bread for dinner. Again, think about this gleaning process. We're not talking about just going out and there's food laying everywhere. We're talking about going out and picking up a kernel here and a kernel there, hoping to gather this little bowl full of wheat so that you might have something to eat. That's what she's hoping for as she goes gleaning. Yet, as a result of the kindness and the generosity of Boaz, because he says to his laborers, hey, just leave a little extra grain here and there so that she might find it. Grace that brings provision. Interesting. I encourage you to read the whole story. But as Ruth goes home, she doesn't have like a little bowl full of grain. She actually has three quarters of a bushel. And Naomi, before before Ruth can even tell the story of what's happened, Naomi says, wow, someone's shown you favor today. Someone's shown you kindness today. Because you don't get that much grain when you're just out picking up the kernels here and there. Someone's been good to you. Someone's shown you favor. So what, what do we see? In this story, we see grace that brings provision. Same's true for us. Then God's taken the initiative to be generous and gracious, meeting us at our point of need as he's working for our good. Even in ways that amaze us. Even, even in ways that's beyond our imagination. What? It's all because of his grace. His grace that provides for our needs. The wonder of God's grace. You know, Angela earlier was talking about the work in the Ivory Coast and what we have the privilege of being a part of. And we just sent a check for $30,000. Can I tell you where the majority of that money came from? When you exit today, up here in the right-hand corner of our property, you're going to see a cell tower that was erected, I don't know, three or four years ago. Every dollar from that cell tower is helping us build churches in the Ivory Coast. In other words, they're paying us to help plant the seed of the gospel, not only in the Ivory Coast, but in African nations to the north, where there are people who've never heard of the gospel message before. And it's all happening because God brought us a cell tower. I know some of you don't like the cell tower, so every time you see the cell tower, think about people coming to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Think about churches being built And people hearing the gospel message who's never heard the gospel message for God has created this funding stream. He's created a way to flow his provision, his grace to us so that we can bring his grace to others. Isn't that not amazing? Who would ever thought of that? Who would ever thought a cell tower to fund the gospel message in the country of the Ivory Coast? Crazy. What is it? It's a story of the wonder of, the, of, of God's grace. It's the story of the wonder of his grace that brings provision for our needs. Paul wrote of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. I, I love the way this verse reads. 
Matter of fact, let's read it together. Would you read this with me? It's on the screen. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Listen, friends, God is able to make all grace abound to you just as he did for Ruth. And who knows how it's going to happen. For Ruth, it was this wealthy landowner who said, hey, leave some piles of grain. And it literally was more and better than she could ever imagine. And so God, it's a God of grace who brings his provision for your life. Also, it doesn't stop there. Also, there's grace that redeems us from our past. We see that in this story. And the good news for us today is that we don't have to, we don't have to stay stuck in our past. How many of you have a past that you'd rather not talk about? Yeah, we all, I mean, we've all stumbled. We've all probably failed or fallen in some way. Probably all have some stuff that we'd rather keep in the closet rather than bringing it out of the closet. I mean, the reality is, is you can't go back and undo what's been done. But here's the good news. You can't experience grace that wipes the slate clean, that allows you to live free, free in your life. That's what we see in Ruth's story. Again, because Ruth was a Moabite, she was outside a covenant relationship with God, and due to the circumstances of life, she found herself destitute and needing help. She needed someone to do for herself. She needed someone to do for her what she couldn't do for herself. She needed someone to turn the pain of her past into a better future. Remember, she had experienced all of this loss. The loss of her father-in-law, the loss of her husband. There was a point of barrenness that had happened in her womb. I mean, there was a lot of loss she had experienced. Pain in the past. Is there any way that pain could be redeemed? Any way that restoration could come? I don't think Ruth saw this coming, but God had a plan. It was all about his grace. Grace that happened through a man by the name of Boaz, who became a kinsman redeemer. And through his generosity, Ruth's past was redeemed. And she went from being a destitute Moabite widow to the wife of a wealthy man of God and the mother of a son named Obed. What an amazing turnaround. And due to the circumstances of life and the poor choices we make, and we all have a past. We can't go back and undo what's been done, but we can't have our past forgiven. That's the good news today. Forgiven not because we deserve it, not because we work for it, not because we've positioned ourselves as such that we can be forgiven. No, it's all because of God's grace. God's grace that redeems us from our past, that sets us up for a greater future. This is the way Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. He says, therefore, there is now, get this, no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives us life has set you free. Free. Isn't that a good word? Free what from the law of sin and death. So because of God's grace, we no longer have to be slaves of our past, but we get to be free and live free. 
Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. It's what we call amazing grace. How many of you, how many of you would be familiar with the story of John Newton? John Newton, a couple. John Newton was the man who was responsible for penning the hymn that we still sing today, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Let me tell you the rest of the story about John Newton. John Newton was a slave trader. He made his living by taking advantage of others, and he had financial gain as a result of injustice. If, if you read his story, what John Newton would tell of his own life is that he was a despicable, fallen man. One night he was out on the sea. They were transporting slaves because, again, he was a slave trader. There was this great storm that came upon them to the point that the ship was about to be broken. And John Newton tells his story of how he fell on his knees and he cried out to God. To God, if you save me, I will serve you. And God saved him. What's interesting, the slave trader became not only a pastor, but the writer of hymns, some of the hymns we still sing today. And one of those hymns would be Amazing Grace, what John Newton was speaking of the very experience that he had had in his life, of grace. Grace that redeems us from our past. And positions us for a greater future. And that's how the story ends, the story of Ruth. As we come to the end of her story, we discover grace also positions us for a greater future. Something that's better than we could ever imagine. Better. Ruth went from being a widow without hope to a woman married to a good and godly man, the mother of a son who was the grandfather of King David, By God's grace, she became a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. I mean, is that not amazing? And all of this, get this, all of this was by God's order, by God's direction. The first part of Ruth's story is a story of pain and loss. But God was at work to turn her situation around, to bring her to a better place and a better future. And he accomplished, he accomplished this through the process of redemption. It was through this kinsman redeemer being Boaz that positioned her for a greater future. And I would say today that the same process has happened for each of us through our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. We have been rescued and redeemed to be positioned for a greater future. Listen, God didn't save us just to get us to heaven. Now, I'm pretty excited about heaven, amen? But he didn't save us just to get us to heaven. He desires to reveal his grace in our lives on a, daily, on a daily basis, bringing us to a greater future. Paul reveals this truth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, where the scripture says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived, What God has prepared, what God has set in store for, what God has set in front of and for those who love him. In other words, Paul's saying this is greater than you can get your minds around. This is this is more than you could imagine. 
Kind of like Ruth's story. Like, like if you would have told Ruth in chapter one, hey, uh, you, you know, I know you're a Moabite widow, but one of these, one of these days you're going to be like the mother of, of Obed and you're going to be the grandmother of the greatest king of Israel and also you're going to get to be a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. She would have said, right, when donkeys fly. Right? I mean, I mean, it was what God had set in motion was more and greater than she could even get her mind around. And hear me, friends, so it is for you because of the wonder of the grace of God who's trying to chase after you that he might reveal kindness to you so he can flow kindness through you. It's not just about grace for us to receive, and praise God for that, but it's also grace for us to live. Here's the great news today. God didn't save you just to get you to heaven. And that's a part of the plan. But he saved you so that he might flow his grace through you. So that you might be a part of his redeeming work in the world today. Because God is always about redemption and restoration. And he wants you to be a part of it. I mean, think about this. Every day you get to be a living testimony of the wonder of God's grace. As you're walking around doing life wherever God has you doing life, what are you? You are a living testimony of the wonder of God's grace. That's wipe your slate clean. That set you up for a greater future than you could ever imagine. You're a living testimony of the kindness and the goodness of God who sought you out that he might bring rescue for your life. That's who you are. And you get to live that out every day. So there's grace, grace that positions us for a greater future. So as we look at Ruth's story, what we see is at the beginning of the story, there's death. But at the end of the story, there's birth, there's life. At the beginning of her story, there's loss and, and pain. At the end of the story, there's joy and there's hope. And all of this happened. Because Boaz became the kinsman redeemer. Because Boaz stepped in and brought kindness, generosity, grace. It changed Ruth's life, it changed her situation, and it shaped her future. Listen, in the same way, hear me, in the same way, Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. Who has sought us out and redeemed us so that we might not only be a part of God's family but that we might share in his goodness. That's the good news for us today, is God has grace available for us. Grace that can transform our lives through salvation. Grace that that can bring hope in hopeless situations. Grace that can bring provision and opportunity that's beyond what you could ever imagine. Every day, We have the privilege of living in God's grace. Don't take it for granted. The wonder of what he's brought to you. But here's also the privilege. We get to live out God's grace. We get to live out kindness to others. We get to live out goodness to others. So here's my challenge to you as I conclude this morning. Don't get stingy with the grace of God. Freely you have received. Freely give. Be be that individual who's not only living grateful for the grace of God, 
but allowing the grace of God to flow through your life to impact someone else's life that they might experience that of the wonder of God's redemption, His rescue, and His restoration. And that's what I love about Ruth's story. What happened to Ruth didn't just end with Ruth. As you look on in her story, there's this line of blessing that begins to happen. So may it be true in our lives. May we live grateful for grace. May we live grateful for the grace that we've received. But we, may we also be those who live out that grace through others. Amen. Lord, we thank you today for the wonder of your grace. God, forgive us for losing sight of, for taking for granted. Lord, just as we've reflected back. Briefly this morning to Ruth's story, we're freshly reminded, God, of the wonder of your grace. Because we were all like Ruth. We were destitute. We were desperate. We were without plan. We were without hope. And Father God, because of your love, you sent a kinsman redeemer. You sent Jesus to die that we might live. You sent Jesus to die that we might daily live in and live out grace. So, Lord, for that, we're grateful. We just pause for a moment this morning, God, to say thanks. Thanks for the wonder of your amazing grace in our lives. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would now help us to live out that grace. Lord, may we not get stingy with what you've freely given us. Lord, may we be like Boaz who chose to become involved in a situation that he didn't have to. May we be like Boaz that we we, we look for those opportunities that we might reveal your grace. Because what I know is that there's a world that's desperately in need of your grace. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to those opportunities. And Holy Spirit, help us daily not only to live in the wonder of grace, but to live out the wonder of your grace. That we might be a part of your redeeming work in our world. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly... You're here today and you would say, I've never opened my life to God's grace. Meaning this, you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Friend, if you've not made that decision, if you've not prayed that prayer, then today you're without hope. Beyond this life, you're without hope. What do you need? You need God's grace. You need someone to step into your predicament and to bring hope in that hopeless situation, to bring rescue, to bring salvation. And you might be thinking this morning, whether you're here present or you're watching online, you might be thinking, well, I've been doing pretty good on my own. Possibly you have in this life, but what about the life after this life? Listen, this is what I know. You can't save your own soul. You might be able to make a few dollars. You might be able to build a business. But what you can't do, friend, is you can't save your own soul. Only God can do that through His grace. So again, maybe you're here today and you just say, Wow, 
I've never opened my life to the grace of God. I've never invited Jesus Christ into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. If not, I want to give you that opportunity right now. The last service, there was one man who said, hey, that's me. Today, I want to open my life to God's grace. And maybe that's you. Whether you're here or online, for those who are watching online, if you would say, hey, I want to invite Christ into my heart today to be my Lord and Savior, right there in the chat line, just, say, just type in, I'm choosing Jesus today. Someone will contact you. But for those who are here present, if you would want to make that decision today to open your life to God's grace, His salvation, I would love the opportunity just to pray with you. Is there anyone just by lifting your hand would say, hey, Pharaoh, that's me. That's me. Today I want to receive Christ as my Savior. I want to open my life to God's redeeming grace. Is there anyone on the main floor in the balcony? couple more seconds. Awesome. Well, Lord, we again, we are in awe of the wonder of your goodness, your provision, your grace for our lives. And Lord, as we, uh, as we conclude today, we just say thanks. Thanks, God, for loving us in such of an outrageous way. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.